Hello and good day. This is the Bible Bard. My bard is a storyteller who recites traditional texts associated with a particular oral tradition, and I'm here to recite and to amplify what the literature of the Bible says about who is God and who are human beings. Here's the place we're at today. The Bible is clear about who God is and what are his attributes, his emotions and personality. And then the first lessons, we've looked at what the Bible says about God. But the identity and attributes of humanity, which begin in the creation story, are a bit more complicated. This podcast turns to this new topic, looking at what the Bible teaches about humanity now. The Bible Bard will not enter the debate between creationists and evolutionists about the origin of humanity. As stated previously, the goal of these podcasts is to present the actual text of the Bible so that listeners might know what the Bible itself teaches. The Bible Bard acknowledges that there is a controversy. In today's podcast, we are presented with a picture of the initial actions of God in our universe in as described in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. And in our sample text, we read from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, which states, quote, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. These words provide a lot of information that is the subject of much theological controversy. The Bible Bard isn't interested in all that history. Let's get the sense of what the Bible says about humanity without allowing controversy to preempt a discussion. Number one. In the book of Genesis, God proclaims his intention to create humanity and place people at the top of the animal kingdom. What else could that verse be saying? Number two, God's pattern for people will be himself. God will, quote, make man in our or his image, unquote. Much has been made of the use of the word our in this text referring to God's being. This text can be read to suggest that God is a compound being that the Christians call Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Jews and Muslims reject that view and understand God's nature by interpreting other texts similar to, De- to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, which states, quote, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, unquote. And they interpret that to as proclaiming that God is a single being, not a compound being. It says that God created humanity and that the pattern he used was his own being, whatever that is. Humanity was given some of his godlike attributes. Now, God is a spirit. The human body itself is therefore probably not part of the likeness of God he mentions. It seems reasonable to to suppose that the making of man in the image and likeness of God probably refers to God's intellectual and moral qualities. The Bible Bard suggests that mind and spirit are what are intended by this passage. It's obvious in the passage that the term let us make man 
refers to male and female because that's what it says. And this is where we derive the term mankind from God saying, let us make man. Our culture mistakenly thinks that the word mankind indicates patriarchy. In this passage, which is at least 3,500 years old, it's obvious that the definition of mankind is, quote, male and female, or in other words, humanity. Because creation is the story presented in the early chapters of Genesis, we need a brief nod to what the Bible says about creation. In Genesis 1.1, the text reads, quote, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Later verses describe what the pattern was of God's creative work, and I'm going to reiterate that right now uh, so we know. Number one, God establishes light and darkness day and night, the first day. The second thing God does is he creates an expanse above the waters that covered the earth and calls it sky. He did that on the second day. On the third day, the text says, God gathers the waters together so that dry land appears, and he names the two divisions of what is there, land and seas. God then commands the land to produce vegetation. And then on the fourth day, God commands lights to appear in the expanse of the sky including the two great lights, the sun and the moon, and also the stars. On the fifth day, God creates living creatures in the water and every winged bird to fly above the earth. And then on the sixth day, God says, let the land produce living creatures and creates man in our image and then gives humanity the preeminence over the rest of creation and ordains quote, seed-bearing plants and fruit-bearing trees as food for all the creatures and the human beings. All this is on the sixth day. Now, here's a quick nod. The Bible Bard offers only three suggestions for the controversy that surrounds this story found in the first two chapters of Genesis. Here's the first thought. Before the act of creating life on earth, we are told that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, unquote. That original creation happened before we get to this story where the creation of vegetation, fish, birds, and land creatures occurs. We're told nothing more about that first creation of the heavens and earth except that God did it. Number two, all of that creation occurs during the first day after we might say the universe is created in the principle of light and darkness seems to be established. But in the second day, we jump to the earth already existing and covered by water. We would describe the work of the second day as the creation of atmosphere, the expanse above the waters. And after this, you might notice that most of the work of creation takes place in the habitable zone of the earth, from a few inches deep in the soil to a few hundred feet in the air. That's where this creative work, much of this creative work, occurs that is described in more detail. And number three, all of the descriptions are given from the point of view of a single person who is observing God's actions. There's no scientific description of the actual creative act. Things are separated, they're gathered, things appear, vegetation sprouts on the land, birds are suddenly flying across 
what was an empty sky, the water, the seas, empty, suddenly teem with life, while the land produces vegetation on the third day before the sun appears in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, the fourth day. We shouldn't make too much of the order because the storyteller is providing details from a natural, unsophisticated point of view. What really happens scientifically isn't the point in this story. But by the way, it's been suggested that if heavy clouds were obscuring the sky during the first days of creation, when the fourth day arrived, the naive observer could see the clouds disperse, and only then would the sun, moon, and stars be revealed. This circumstance, uh, if this is what occurred, makes the story order perfectly correct from the naive perspective. What the Bible Bard notices that critics and believers alike seem to focus on the details of creation events to either discredit or argue for the literary literal accuracy of the text. Are the events given in this sequence literally what happened? Well, this is what the writer recorded, but no human being was present until the sixth day. So what occurred was either revealed to the writer in vision, seeing it happen in the mind, or by hearing, by being told what happened by another who was present, a angel or God. In any event, this creation description is literature from which we gain an impression of what happened during the six days of recreation on the surface of the earth. Uh, comment, remember, the earth was already there covered by water when the second day of creation of life on the surface of the earth begins. While the text is written from the perspective of a naive person standing on the earth and watching these creation events happen, the perspective doesn't uh, include the conjectures of astrophysics, the Big Bang, ideas presented in the origin of the species, any of that. All we know from the literature, from the story, is that God created the heavens and earth, and then, much later, we don't know, God reworked the surface of the earth to become a platform for life, on which he then also creates plants, animals, and human beings. Now, Jewish tradition records Moses as the writer of the first five books of the Bible. And uh, Moses was born to a Jewish family in Egypt about 3,500 or more years ago. As a baby boy, he was ordered to be killed, but through a story twist was instead adopted into the Pharaonic family by Pharaoh's own daughter. See Exodus chapter 2 to read this story. What's important is raised in the king's household, Moses was highly educated in Egyptian knowledge and culture. He's a grown man before he discovers that he's not Egyptian by birth, but is a Hebrew. And at that time, the Hebrews were slaves and probably used as laborers in the building projects of the later pyramids. Moses comes across an Egyptian slaver who is beating a Hebrew, and he kills the man. And when his deed is found out, he flees into the desert so that the Egyptians will not arrest and kill him. In the desert, Moses meets God and later returns to Egypt using the miracles given him by God to convince the Egyptians to free the Hebrew slaves, who Moses then leads out of Egypt in a mass exodus. The story is told in the first 15 chapters of the book of Exodus. We have no scientific proof that Moses is the author 
but there is no proof either he wasn't. The Bible bar doesn't care either way. The Bible bar does care that the story of Moses is great literature and reveals things about humanity and God that are important for us to know. Scholars have argued for and against the unity of these first five books. But for our purposes, these arguments are beside the point. We're searching the text inductively in this series for what the Bible teaches about humanity. These stories, this literature, and the propositions they contain are the focus of our interest. This podcast is only intended to discuss who is God and who is humanity. The next podcast in the series will share the actual texts that the Bible provides about people. This is the way the Bible bard works. Brief recitations, closely focused, no distractions, no rabbit trails. Send the Bible bard any questions or remarks you care to offer to BibleBardUS at gmail.com. Glad to hear from you. Thanks in advance for following and sharing content from the Bible Bard community. Thanks for listening.